right, psychology nerds, and welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast out of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. I'm Ryan Martin, one of the hosts of Psychology and Stuff, and I am here, as always, with my co-host. She's the chair of the UW-Green Bay Psychology Program, Dr. Georgina Wilson-Dungess. How's it going, G? It is going great. You know, I... I realize every time you do that intro that you make it seem like being chair is really exciting, but it's just like a whole bunch of work like with no like benefit yeah. whatsoever. But except for the fact that you make it sound great, that's the only benefit that I get. Well, <laughs> so good. keep well, doing that. Yeah, <laughs> you bet. I, I totally get that. And then, although this morning I have to tell you, because I, I was going to say it's been a, a bit of a day already uh, and I was going to going to ask for some good news. But then I remembered that you kicked off this morning's session at the chairs meeting with a really, really cool bunch of stuff that you're doing for psych. And I was really happy about it. So thank you for that. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I am pretty, pretty excited about all the cool stuff that we're doing in psychology. Um, especially as we like come out of this pandemic and the energy, you can just feel the buzz uh, like on campus. And it's, it's very exciting uh, to imagine the future and I'm very future focused right now. And that's fun. (laughs) Nice. Well, so it's worth saying she's not just a chair. She's an outstanding chair. So (laughs) you could see me crying. If you could see me. (laughs) Well, I want to get to our guest because uh, I'm really, really excited and been really excited for this for a while. So are you ready? I am ready. Any, any other announcements before we do this? Anything I'm forgetting before we, we no, are talking? No, take it away. It? All right. She is the vice president of talent management and the chief uh, diversity at Schreiber Foods, where she leads talent acquisition, training and development and diversity, equity and inclusion teams. She was trained as an IO psychologist with a master's degree in industrial organizational psych from Missouri State, currently working on her PhD in global leadership from Troy University in Troy, Alabama. Janine was recognized as one of the current, uh, one of current's 15 young professional award recipients, one of the 49 most influential black leaders in Wisconsin by Madison 365, and awarded the Athena Leadership Award for Excellence in Business and Professional Advancement. She's teaching, uh, she teaches for both the psychology program here at UW Green Bay and the organizational leadership program. It's Janine Calloway. How are you, Janine? I'm doing well, doing well. And you're right. He does give great introductions. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you just seem like, wow, I am awesome. Yeah, but like he's talking your case, about me. You are. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, and I don't want to minimize any of those talents, but I also want to tell people that she is also my son's best friend's mom. Um, and so she's, in, in addition to all of those extraordinary accolades, she and her husband are raising a couple of awesome kids that I like. Uh, thank you. So, Likewise, we feel the same way. Thank you. <laughs> well, awesome. yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk IO psych for a little bit. Well, actually, no, I, I think what I'd like to do is kind of start and, and hear a little bit more about your journey to where you are now. So you, you yeah. have an undergraduate degree in psychology and then went on to get a master's degree in IO. So tell yeah. us about that. It's so interesting to to hear you both talk about psychology because I I remember in undergraduate, um, I was, you know, part of the psychology club and, you know, we had shirts that said, you know, psychi. And I just remember (laughs) being like the biggest nerd. And um, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, 
now, you know, he kind of teases me about it. And um, I'm like, someday I'm going to do something with this degree. And so it's just, you know, fast forward 25 years later um, to have a psychology degree that a lot of people thought, how can you use a psychology degree in the workplace? And um, there have, has just been so much work and so many different paths that folks have taken using a psychology background. So yes, um, psychology student, um, as I was getting towards my junior, senior year, I was trying to figure out what to do with the degree. And I took a class called IL Psychology. And I just remember um, after the first class, knowing that that was the area that I wanted to go into. So in particular, training and development, that was like, when I graduate, I want to be a training person in an organization. I want to help people be successful doing their jobs. And, um, you know, when I realized that with that type of degree, you could do that, I was all in and started to research and was just pleased to find out that the university I was at, at that time, Missouri State University had one of the top IO programs. And so, you know, from there, um, I went on to graduate school and, and the rest is history, but that that's a little bit about my journey. I'm happy to share more, but that's a little bit of how it started. Had, had you, so I should preface this by saying I am a sucker for stories about people like kind of having those aha moments where they like discover exactly what they love and what they're passionate about. Um, but so had you taken business courses prior to that? Had you other experiences like that? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, my minor, so I have a minor in business okay. and um, it was interesting because prior to the IL psychology course, I had no interest in business classes. They felt heavy, you know, like it felt like, you know, like I would be in like, you know, Wall Street in a suit and <laughs> not have any fun thinking and influencing and connecting all things that are important within psychology. But when I saw the connection uh, between IL psychology and the business world, and I started to fall in love with things like statistics, says no one. But um, I started to, <laughs> except for right? me, like, yeah, right? yes, you're my people, right? But the <laughs> others don't get it. Um, but um, fell in love with statistics and accounting and just business uh, professors being able to connect with them. And it all became connected for me and was exciting because I finally figured it out, right? Like in kindergarten, when I grew up, I want to be, and, and I found that moment um, when I took that first IO course. I wonder, uh, I, I know that a lot of our students uh, have a similar stumble onto it, uh, kind of a relationship with it. And I think some of it has to do with the title the industrial organizational psychology. Uh, I had a student the other day ask me what that class was about because she thought that it was about like factory workers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, why would you think that? And she's like, industrial? And I was like, huh. Yeah. What do you think about the, the title? And do you think that that's a hindrance to the field? Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because um, I think it's an opportunity to explain the I and the O and, and they're different, right? And I, I feel very fortunate to have worked in both the I and the O side. So although I wanted to go directly into the O side, so training and development, 
it was difficult for me to first go into a role like that without experience. So that's advice that I, you know, I share with a lot of students. Don't be like me and wait till the last year to get the internship. Start much earlier. And that can be unpaid. You know, I, I worked at a local hospital um, in their HR department. Um, but again, it was six months. And then after I graduated, I ended up working at a staffing agency to, again, get more experience before going into the area, which is ironically when I was introduced to the I side, the industry, um, and um, specifically um, production roles. And so although, um, you know, the I side can be more of the, the workforce planning, the, the hiring, um, you know, things like that, it's, it's beneficial um, for, in my opinion, all IL psychologists to understand both sides of it, right? So it's the theory, right? And, and it's the, the strategy work and things like that, that happens in the more the organizational side, organizational development side, but then it's how do you apply it? That's where the I comes in, right? It's how, how do I select the best people to perform the job. And so that's the space that my class is in right now is what's, what's the criteria for selection? How can we make it more objective? Or when it makes sense to be subjective, what things are important to pay attention to? And so um, I think it can be um, blurry. What does the I side mean? But for me, it, it's the most important part because um, you have to select people to perform the job. You have to understand even things like today, talent availability, right? So if, if an organization, for example, wants to open a new facility or, glow, or grow globally, they need to understand like, what does the talent look like in that local community? Those things are, that's an example of things that cross over from the I to the O, right? And vice versa. So, um, but it is, it's, um, it can be scary, but the, in, the industrial part of it is much bigger than I think what it comes across. And so I tell people to look at it from a just organizational psychology. Don't get caught up on the I. That is awesome. Um, thank you for that. I actually did not know any of what you just said. And <laughs> I'm the chair of psychology, so shame on me. But I just learned something. So that that is so helpful. Um, and, and I wonder how how did your um, your research and your um, your learning and your master's program set you up for like doing what you're doing now, like in, in human resources, and also maybe speak a little bit about um, the EDI work that you're doing? Like, how did sure. your learning about IO Psych set you up for success in this job that you have now? Yeah. So um, what's interesting is that, you know, most people, um, when you come out with the IO degree, you go into human resources, which is kind of the I side or you go into organizational development, which is the O side, right? And so um, without experience, and it's very difficult to go into the O side, the organizational development side of it. So, um, however, at that time, everybody needed human resource positions like they do today, um, whether it's um, people to recruit for positions, um, 
whether it's HR generalist role from, you know, benefit administration, compensation administration and things like that. So I went into an HR manager role um, at one of our production facilities and I was hired at that time to staff a plant that was just purchased to expand our products that we produced. And so, um, I mean, it was like, um, it was, I call it baptism by fire. <laughs> I, um, I, you know, I had this fancy degree, but not a lot of experience. So um, it, 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 it taught me how to put together job descriptions, um, how to post them. Um, I was able to learn how to interview and select people. I was able to, I had to quickly learn about benefits and, and, and why that type of information is important in orientation and um, how pay increases and all those things um, matter in terms of people saying yes or no to a job. And so it was very much um, a human resources manager role um, for a small plant. And then I went to a medium-sized plant and then a larger plant. And really the difference was amount of employees but the, 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 the challenges were still the same in terms of hiring people, training them, and then um, doing all you can to retain. And I did that you know, for seven or eight years. And although I had seven, eight different things I was responsible for in my team, the one area that I kept coming back to was training and development. I love training and development, in particular leadership development. And so um, there was an opportunity that came available in my organization to lead our training and development area of the company that had a global scope. So it required relocation from the great state of Missouri to <laughs> Wisconsin, uh, but it was the best decision that I and my family made. And, and that's another thing you know, I would share with anyone is um, be open to going outside of, of your comfort zone and area that you're from and where you live because opportunities you know, are, that they become broader um, and you become more exposed to things. And so um, came to um, the great state of Wisconsin, led our training and development area and the company started to grow globally. And so then that means that I started interacting with different cultures um, ways of making decisions. And um, there, I also saw that, you know, there were several groups that were unrepresented. And that, that really intrigued me of around, you know, those individuals that do exist that may be the only one, whether it's the only woman or the only Hispanic leader, whatever the case may be, how do we ensure that that not hinder them from being successful. And so that was kind of my entryway into the, the um, DEI work. And so diversity, equity, and inclusion is what we call it. But I've also heard it um, said the way you did, which is the, the equity, diversity, and inclusion. I, I like them all three, no matter what order you put them in. <laughs> um, but I guess I'll just end you know, that response with um, the DEI work is really the retention piece of it, right? So the, the as you look at the talent management cycle, which is what IO psychologists navigate through, right? The hiring, the developing, and the retaining of your talent, right? That's the talent cycle. And the DEI work, it allows us to get very specific and very intentional and very strategic with how we find, develop, and retain our talent. So it's all connected. 
You know, one of the things I'm often thinking about when I think about hiring talent and when I think about that is sort of the the element of what I mean, I, I, I think about this as a as a college professor, right, who puts people out into the workforce is what are the things that that we should be putting out there? Like, what are the what are the what are the talents that people are looking for versus what does a company train people for once they're hired? You know, and and so when it comes to that, and of course it depends on the types of jobs and things like that. But I'm always sort of thinking through, sort of um, especially because I, I teach in an area like psychology, which is oftentimes I think sort of vilified uh, as like, oh, you're putting people out who can't get a job. They're going to be working at Starbucks, et cetera. Yeah. And, and um, I don't know, I guess I wonder, so what are some of the things that you think of or that you're looking for when you are trying to acquire talent? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think organizations are having to think differently about how they answer this question more than ever, hmm. right? So yes, you do have the element of skill set, right? Do they have the right skills to perform the job? But I think more than ever, um, it's the willingness and the trainability of the person, right? So, or the ability to go find the information, right? What I rather find someone that has everything they need for today's job and requirements of today's jobs, or would I like someone that I know will be able to go find the answer, get the answer, care about the answer, and, and understand what the answer means. So I think it's a combination of both. Um, with the talent shortage across the globe, um, you, at some point, organizations will have to say, they may not meet all 10 of these things, but because they meet eight, we're willing to train on the other two. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's what it's about. Oh. <laughs> I also um, was kind of thinking when I was um, thinking about like the, how that might relate to the DEI, is that the order? DEI is the order yep. that you say it in. Um, is there, is there something about taking those eight out of 10 skills or whatever um, components, uh, competencies or whatever we call them, um, but also showing the person who's interviewing for the job, uh, you know, what, how do how do you belong here? Like, mm -hmm. how will we support you growing uh, in this role? How will we support you getting those other two things? Uh, how, how important is that in today's workforce development? Yeah, it, it, so um, it, it reminds me about today's candidate. I'm inspired by today's candidate. Um, they, when I say they, let me be more specific, um, Gen Z those entering into the workplace, right? They are very clear about working for an organization that takes care of me and this community or our community or our world, right? Like that's very much an important factor for them as they so select who they work for. And again, I was very intentional about the language I used of select who they work for. And so um, in, in I, I remember years ago, I used to say, 
and this, when I say years ago, 10 years ago, when we were interviewing candidates, we, I think it was like a Nebraska university, we were on site interviewing candidates for um, an entry level production supervisor role. And I remember at that point hearing um, candidates say things like, what will you do to help me be successful? Like what development is available to me? And I thought, well, look at you in 2012, you know, um, that's, that's awesome, right? But today those questions are still the same, but it's, what are you doing to take care of the environment? Hmm. What are you doing to diversify your board of directors? Everybody looks the same. What are you doing, um, you know, towards these issues that, you know, are affecting, you know, whatever they may be passionate about. So they're coming to the interview process trying to understand how the organization is, is part of this broader um, movement of just doing good around the world. And I love that. I love that. And, and, and they're finding organizations who are committed to making the world a better, safer, cleaner place. However, what it has caused is organizations who have not been doing that to finally wake up and pay attention to what's called ESG, environmental, social, and governance topics. And so it's an evolution that a lot of folk, a lot of organizations are trying to catch up on. But the reality is that it's becoming price of entry for a lot of candidates hmm. for an organization to be considered yeah. on their list. You know, it's interesting. I, I, because I, I didn't know that, but it does feel, it has felt like the last year or so, um, I think incoming employees have, or people applying for jobs have sort of realized, or workers in general, have sort of realized they maybe have a little more power here than they mm-hmm. than they once did or than they thought they did, right? That, And that in some of it's like the, the, the talent, or I can't remember the phrase you used, but the, the gap in or absence mm-hmm. of talent out there and uh, talent availability, I think. And um, some of it's that, but it does feel like people now are able to say like, yeah, whereas 10 years ago, it's just, I need a job, whatever that job is. Now it's, no, I don't necessarily need a job and I definitely don't necessarily need this job. And, and unless you're able to do some of those things that I care about, then I'm going to, then I'm going to hold out. Is it, does it feel like that's what's happening? Is Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, just as you were speaking, I was thinking of several examples of candidates, you know, you make an offer and they go, you know what, give me a couple of days, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, they'll decline it because they have an interview next Thursday and, and they don't really care how it may go, but they, you know, if it's not an offer that maybe that they wanted mm-hmm. or, you know, they would decline it without having something lined up. And so, um, and I, I don't know that anything's wrong with that. I, I think there, I've heard varying opinions about it. You know, you hear people that say things like, these new candidates, right? Or, you know, they are, they feel like they deserve. And back in my day, I used to, and there are people that are still in that space. And then there are people that are saying, let's learn about candidates and what they want and adjust how we operate, benefits we provide, environment we create and culture Mm -hmm. that we require to attract them. 
And so, you know, there's, there's this spectrum that people are trying to navigate so that they can become an employer of choice. But, you know, I, I just hope that um, organizations don't wait too long because without the talent, they can't grow. Right. It's so exciting to hear you um, using all of our like psychology, uh, like concepts and things. That must be a great part of your job is that you have found a, a home where you can use what you learned in the very broad field of psychology. Like you're, you're talking about like personality and emotion and, you know, like a sense of community and culture and all of these things that, um, that we learn about. Is that a fun part of your job to be a psychologist uh, in the workforce? Absolutely. And it, it, I, I think issues around finding, developing, and retaining talent for many years was considered a concern or even responsibility of human resources. And it's no longer that case, that, that it's no longer that to be the case in that everybody sees paying attention to talent trends being instrumental in an organization being able to stay relevant, sustain and be, you know, and, and be part of, um, you know, the broader globe in terms of growth. And I think that that's, that's exciting that um, more than HR is thinking about it. In fact, I was reading a study last week. I can't, I, I don't know if it was a Deloitte study. I'll, I'll have to get this to you, but it, um, it surveyed CEOs and it, the question was around what is their top concern right now, post pandemic or post COVID or post 2020, I think was the language used. And the results created this word cloud, right? So a word cloud has all types of words. And the idea is that, you know, the, the word that's big, the biggest or the words that are bigger are more, more people answer to, more people answer the question that way. And in this word cloud for CEO's biggest concern was the word talent. Hmm. Wow. CEOs, <laughs> right? Hmm. Of wow. course, profitability, growth, and all those <laughs> things. They were there, but they weren't as big as talent. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. It is kind of interesting to think about um, the Gen Z population because I feel like we're all educating them um, currently at UWGB. And I think um, when Ryan said that they don't know that they have as much power as they do, um, I think that that's a little bit of a dangerous statement because they are still no more mature or no more ready um, to take on high level jobs than they were before. And even though there are maybe plentiful jobs out there, I still think that um, people who are greener in their, uh, in their careers have to start somewhere. And I really enjoyed your start of your career. You're like, I really wanted to do this, but I had to do this first. Can you talk a, a little bit about like career progression and how that's mm -hmm. part of acquisition and development? Yeah, 
um, before before I, I guess I go into career progression, just a quick comment on what you said about you know power and and, and um, um, being careful with that. And I think you know maybe a way to balance that is this idea that you know it's still if if our new generation requires organizations to be part of this broader movement of being doing good. That also means that they have to be good stewards of their skills, right? And um, I mean, that's really what it's about. Like, if you want to change the world, um, which, you know, most do come out wanting to do, I mean, I still want to change the world, right? Like, I hope <laughs> to never lose that. But um, you just be a good steward of what does that mean? It's, it's not manipulating, right? It's, it's not putting organizations, people, whatever, in situations it's about really leveraging your skills and your influence to do good with the community, with organizations, with those that may have the resources available. So I guess I just wanted to throw that out there because I certainly don't want to send the message of you're in control now. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. saying be responsible with it as well, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as it relates to career progression, um, you know, I, think about, you know, when I was a generalist, a HR generalist, HR manager, and then I fell in love with training and development. Um, I was all about becoming the best or learning the most I could about that area. And, you know, at the same time as I was learning, I was talking to other people um, that had skills that are were doing role or doing the work that I wanted to eventually do. So although I led training and development, I became connected to the person that led talent acquisition and um, partnered with that individual in in moving objectives forward. And then, you know, I eventually ended up leading not only training and development, but also talent acquisition. And then I was working with the person that was leading our DEI initiatives. And and, um, then I eventually started to lead DEI and and eventually had responsibility over all three areas. And so um, I I try to stay very humble in that and that um, we have a great responsibility, right? We we have a responsibility to one, stay connected to what the talent needs are of the organization which requires us to learn about the business, right? So when I think about career progression, um, I I never wanted to be an HR leader. I wanted to be a business leader that knew HR, right? And like just turning that, that making that switch uh, was difficult. And I'm certainly still on the journey. I haven't arrived by no means. Um, But I I would say just uh, making sure my career progression, I, I would say much of my, ability to move and grow has been my willingness to learn about other areas of the business and position myself as a partner and moving others objectives forward and it has benefited me in my career. Yeah. So I I really, as we kind of wrap things up here, I really want to talk a little bit about um, the the global leadership degree you're currently working on. And um, because I know you're 
so if memory serves, and I might be misremembering this, but this was, you started this right before the pandemic, right? Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that correct? Oh, no. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I knew no pandemic was coming, but right. yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was so excited, you know, and I still am excited, but yeah, you're, you're right. I am. Um, it's difficult to go back to school once you start working, mm-hmm. but um so, but I understand that different people, you know, you, you, you have to sometimes come out of school and work a little bit before you go back. And I did get my bachelor's and master's degree back to back. So I think the benefit of that was I was, I did it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was able to go right into an area that I had a lot of passion about. But I think with experience, sometimes as we go through programs, we have a different appreciation for them too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think there's pros and cons. So anyway, fast forward, mm-hmm. um, you know, 15 years into my career and um, wanting to understand another level of leadership, but more specifically, um, what considerations should one account for when you're thinking about effective leadership and and growth and influence and cultural norms. Like, what does that look like outside the U.S.? And I I found a wonderful program that was a great fit for me. And um, I started it right before the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in my second year and um, I have, you know, knock on wood, uh, maybe another year and a half left of it, but it, it's it's been great and um, has been even more enriching and working while going through it because I'm able to apply the content immediately for feedback and um, see how relevant it is in today's market. And it, it's just been a fantastic experience. Well, that's good. I'm glad. That's very, very cool. So Georgina, anything else as we finish up? No, but I am just, uh, I'm so excited. I learned so much today. So thank you so much for joining us today, Janine. Um, wow, just, I think for any uh, like students out there who are listening, this is a, a field that maybe people stumble on and maybe after listening to this podcast, you might intentionally seek it out rather than just let it uh, come in front of you. But I I think there's so many directions it could go in from what I have heard you say, Janine, you know, like there are a whole bunch of parts of the I and parts of the O uh, that would be really uh, amazing. So thanks for sharing that. Thank you for having me. Janine, do you have anything else you want to add before we finish up? Anything I should have asked that didn't? I think you covered quite a bit. Um, you covered quite a bit. I just, you know, want to extend myself beyond the podcast. If folks have questions, I'm happy to answer them. Yeah, I was going to ask, how, how should people contact you or reach out to you? Is there anything else yeah. you want to plug here as we finish up? I, I think through email, um, okay. email number one way to get in contact with me. And I teach an IO psychology course uh, with the university. So um, that's another way to deeply get connected to 
the concepts, um, theories, practice, and have an opportunity to intimately get to know how IELTS psychologists are used and relevant in today's workforce. Very good. All right. Um, well, and I want to quickly remind people that they can uh, follow the podcast on what Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Psych and Stuff. Um, so just search at Psych and Stuff, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Georgina, where can people find you? Um, at G E O R J E A N N A W D. That's right, Georgina W D. And I am at Anger Professor, and you can find me in all those places plus TikTok. Psychology and Stuff is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. The executive producer is Ryan Martin, and the production manager is Kate Farley. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salick, and our graphic designer is Kimberly Vlees. Special thanks to our guest, Janine Calloway. Janine, it was absolutely fabulous to have you here today. I'm so, so very thankful uh, that you took the time. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website, uwgb.edu slash podcast to check out past episodes of this and all our shows. I'm Ryan Martin, and I'm here with my co-host, Georgina Wilson-Dungis. Keep being amazing.